0: We turn now for a few moments to the Old Testament scriptures, to the book of Psalms, chapter 119. The book of Psalms, chapter 119, and reading at verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stacked unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commands, commandments, when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Ye, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. We might think especially of verse 38, establish thy word. And to thy servant. As all of us are aware, this Psalm, the longest Psalm in the in the entire uh, Psalter, is dedicated to the Word of God. It is a description of the ministry of God's Word. We learn in this Psalm what God's Word does in this psalm we have a detailed job description of the task that God has given to his word and right throughout this psalm there is the underlying assumption that the psalmist himself must long for the word to do this work in him and through him there is a recognition of responsibility the responsibility of the believer as he or she approaches the word of God that in order that it might fulfill its ministry in the life and in the witness to which they are called. And so this psalm not only presents to us a picture of what the word of God can do and what the word of God promises to do But it also presents to us a picture of our responsibility Regarding the word of God Because God works through his word Not in an irrational way Or in a mechanical way God works through his word sovereignly of course But he works through his word spiritually And he works through his word again and again in response to the faith and to the obedience of his people and right throughout this psalm we have the deep desire of the psalmist that God's word might might be alive that God's that he might be quickened that he himself might be brought to life through this life giving word and that this word his encounter with this word might be an encounter with life and with power You remember the words of our Lord when he quoted the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy to the tempter in the wilderness Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God And although that word given by God through Moses was already centuries old Our Lord speaks of it as a word which still then was proceeding from the mouth of God. And the miracle of God's word is that although it was given many centuries ago, God still speaks through it today. It is a living word. It is a word which in the power of the Holy Spirit comes alive and we hear God speak. And God communicates his message. God reveals his son. God communicates his will to us through his word. And so the psalmist here prays that he may be quickened according to the word of God. That God's word might be established to him by God. Now this, as we've said, is the work of the Holy Spirit. This mysterious work of of bringing the word of God to life in the experience of men and women and of the church is the work of the Holy Spirit of God it is not something that we can command nor is it something that we can manipulate it is the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit of God and yet it is clear from the psalm that that we have a responsibility as we read the Word of God to expect the Word of God to come to life to ask God to pray that it may come to life we have a responsibility to read it to read it earnestly To read it believingly To uh, read it systematically To read it diligently Although the Ministry of the word is ultimately that Which becomes, it becomes efficacious Through the work of the Holy Spirit Yet we have a responsibility To seek God in his word And to pray That he may speak to us through it And so our responsibility must be carried out in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. And I would like us for a few moments this evening to consider together some aspects of our responsibility as readers and hearers of the word of God. Some lessons which we might learn from the scriptures themselves as to how we are to read, how we are to approach the word of God. First of all, we are to read the word of God regularly our Lord said to the tempter in the wilderness he said that the word of God is food man shall not live by bread only but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God God has given us his word to us a spiritual food Peter reminds us that the word of God is like milk and that like, like newborn babies we should always be thirsty for the pure spiritual milk of the word of God so that we might grow spiritually through drinking it and just as we are required to eat regularly day by day in order that our bodies might be sustained physically so also we are obliged to read the word of God daily because it is our spiritual food we are to read it regularly. And we cannot expect to prosper in our Christian lives if we neglect this food which God has given to us in his word. That is the first and perhaps very obvious and very simple, although sometimes difficult, lesson which we have to learn. We are to read the word of God regularly. But secondly, we are to read the word of God as a whole. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that we read it all at once. It is possible to read so much of the scriptures that one can get a form of indigestion. But we are to read the word of God as a whole and not simply the the, the parts of it which appeal to us there's a story told of four men in India I think it was who were out in the dark one night and they met an elephant and none of them were sure of what they had encountered in the darkness and one of them stretched out his hand and he felt the elephant's leg and he said to the others it's a tree another one was able to feel the elephant's trunk and he said it's a snake the third bumped into the elephant's body and he said it's a wall and the fourth put out his hand and felt the point of the elephant's tusk and he said it's a sword now none of them were right because none of them saw or or touched the whole of the elephant I think this illustrates to us the importance of reading the word of God as a whole. We need to read the whole of God's word. It is every word, said Jesus, that proceeds from the the mouth of God that we are to live by. Not just part of God's revelation, but every part of it. And so we require a balanced diet from the Old Testament as well as the New, from the Gospels as well as from the Epistles. And when we read the Scriptures, it is well for us to have some kind of system which will enable us to cover God's Word as a whole. Surveys have been done of reading of the books of the Bible which are read. And many of these are not many but the, the, the service such services have been undertaken have indicated that there are large sections of the word of God not only of the old testament but some epistles in the new testament which apparently are scarcely read in the devotional reading of Christian people we have to be reminded of the fact that Paul said to Timothy all scripture is inspired and is useful God has given us his word as a whole now when we read scripture as a whole it means not only that we are to to read it systematically so that we over a period of time we cover the entire a library of books but also that when we read the scriptures we are to look for the harmony that god has implanted in his creation in, in in his word in his revelation we are to use the principle of harmony to help us to understand the scriptures. Sometimes it appears that in one part of the Bible there may be an emphasis which seems to contradict an emphasis which we notice elsewhere. But we are to if we come believing that God has given us his word he's given it given it to us through different people he's given it to us through different human writers he's given it to us at different periods of the history of revelation If we come believing that God's word comes to us ultimately from himself, then we will look for a way that we look for the principle of harmony which binds God's word together. And it's important that we do that, that we seek to see God's revelation as a totality in his word. This means that we mustn't interpret one passage as if it contradicts others but rather to seek to interpret scripture by scripture, not scripture against scripture. And so then, let us seek to read the word of God as a whole. Let us beware of the danger of concentrating on our favorite passages on the one hand, or of practicing a kind of lucky dip as far as the scriptures are concerned on the other. God has given us his whole word. God has given us Uh, these all of these books he's given to us his entire word and all of scripture is useful and we must seek through some system to cover the word of God in its entirety of course some parts of the scripture such as the gospels and the epistles and the prophets the book of genesis are and others are more important than, 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 than some others and obviously we are to concentrate and perhaps read more frequently some parts of scripture than others But we must not neglect any part of God's word. The third lesson I think that is important for us to learn is that when we read the scriptures, we should read them as a narrative or as a story. You see, God has given us his revelation in the form of a story rather than in the form of a book of ideas. There are ideas, of course, in the scriptures. There are concepts which are there, obviously, but they arise out of the story. They are given in the context of God's action through his people, through his son, through his church. And that action is recorded in the word of God. And when we come to the scriptures, we must come recognizing that in this book, we have a record of the story of God's acts of God's revealing himself and God sending his son God's purpose of salvation being being accomplished in the life, death and resurrection of his son and it is I think better for us to come to God's word recognizing that it is a historical story in its entirety than to think of it as a book of ideas as a kind of collection of, 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 of philosophical ideas which uh, have, have come to us from the mind of God there are ideas, there are concepts, there are there are uh, doctrines but they arise out of what God has done they arise out of his acts and the word of God is primarily a story and it's a story which has an overall framework and the framework begins with creation then after creation one has the fall then we have the redemption, which is foretold and accomplished in Jesus Christ. And the fourth and the final point in this framework is the consummation and the end of this creation and the beginning of the new. And that four, these four points are the pivotal points of the story which we have in the word of God. And it is helpful for us when we study any passage of scripture to study it against the background of, of these four points. And to see these four points as forming the back cloth, forming the perspective, forming the, the historical context of every passage of scripture. God's word is a story. God's word has a great deal of historical narrative in it. There are historical books in the Old Testament, there are the Gospels in the New and it is important for us, of course, to study these and to, reckon, to, to know our, our, our the, the, the events of the Old Testament, the events of the life and of the ministry eh, of our Lord. And we must seek particularly to be aware of the events of the of the life of our Lord in the Gospels, because it was He who, in His life and in particularly in His death and resurrection, accomplished our salvation. And in Him we have the the, in, his, in his coming and in his death and in his resurrection and in, and in his ascension we have the climax of the, of the work of redemption and so let us read the word of God as a narrative or as a story and as we do so don't let us worry if we can't understand it some parts immediately let us recognize that men and women have spent their entire lives Studying the word of God without fully understanding it. There is much to understand. And no doubt something which we don't understand now. Perhaps God will reveal to us later. Let us read the word of God as a story. As a story of what God has done to accomplish our redemption. Fourthly, as we read the word of God, it may be helpful for us to read it imaginatively. Some people say that learning is such that it is important for us to take in what the text says before asking what it means. Especially when we read the historical passages of the word of God, such as the accounts of the ministry of our Lord in the gospel. Perhaps it would repay time spent in Imagining what it might have must have been like, what it might have been like to have been present. To try to put oneself in the situation. To think of what it would have been like for Zacchaeus up in the tree. To think of what it would have been like for Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. Perhaps we should read the word of God more imaginatively in order that we might have a sense of involvement in the action. I sometimes suspect that when we read a book or sometimes when we see a program on television we may have a greater sense of involvement in what we see and what we read than when we read the word of God. And it may be that we need to read the scriptures more imaginatively. And if we were to read them more imaginatively in the best sense of the term then perhaps we would be better able to ask what the scriptures mean. So then, as we read the scriptures, we might try to visualize the original situation, perhaps assuming not merely that you were one of the characters in the scene, but perhaps a reporter. Seek to put yourself into the mind, the emotions of the writer of Luke or of Mark, or perhaps of one of the characters which which they portray or again of the first readers of these gospels these gospels were written for converts in the early years of the church's ministry they were written for those who themselves had not seen Jesus and they were written in order to help them to understand the message which they had believed and indeed they were written as John's gospel tells us to help people to believe, to help them to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. So there is a place for imagination, not that we should allow our imaginations to run riot, but there is a place for imagination, the use of imagination in the reading of the scriptures that we might seek to feel our way into the narratives and seek to live in the world of the Bible and Thus ask ourselves what the text means Fifthly, let us read the Bible prayerfully As we read the scriptures We need to recognize that God speaks through them And that we need to tune in as it were To what God is saying When we read the scriptures We may read them apparently without without learning anything that we didn't know before without receiving any light or any help or any strength from them. Now this does not mean that God has abandoned his word rather it more likely means that we have failed to tune in to a God's communication to us. At this very moment there are many radio signals passing through the atmosphere in this church But we do not have a receiving apparatus. So we're not tuned in. And even if we did have a radio with us, if it wasn't tuned, we wouldn't hear what was being being communicated. The writer to the Hebrews reminds us that uh, hearing God's voice is not automatic. He says, if you hear God's voice, The psalmist here in Psalm 119 is concerned that he might hear what God is saying to him, that God's word would come to life. He asks the Lord to open his eyes that he might see wonderful things out of his law. You remember how our Lord spoke of the importance of having ears to hear. So many people heard the teaching of Jesus and yet did not hear it. And is it not the case that many of us like the psalmist again and again have got to come to God and ask the Lord to open our ears that we might hear what he is saying to us. And of course prayer is a crucial uh, instrument in, in asking God to open our ear to give us spiritual hearing to help us to tune in to what he is saying to us. And so as we read the word of God, we must read it prayerfully. Recognizing that God does not communicate with us mechanically or automatically, but sovereignly. And therefore we must pray to the Lord, asking him to speak to us through his word. And sixthly, as we read the word of God, we ought to read it submissively. We must come to the word of God willing to obey it. We must come to the word of God not in his, not looking for speculative truth. But looking for a word, for a command to obey. God has given us his word as a practical word for living. The word of God is a guide for living, a handbook for, for living. That's what Paul virtually tells Timothy in the passage which we read from 2 Timothy. We must recognize that god has given us his word primarily not as a source book of theology although it is that but god has given us his word not to theologians but he's given us his his word to his people the word of god is in the words of calvin a a for the, the 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 for the unlearned god has given us his word to the unlearned to ordinary people yes god's word is a textbook of theology god's word is the bedrock of his uh, revelation. But God has given us his word in a form which can be understood by ordinary people. And God's word is not a specialist book. It is a book for ordinary people. It is a book which is useful for living, for righteous living. That's what Paul says to Timothy therefore we must read it submissively we must recognize it again to quote Calvin as the scepter of Christ the scepter with which or through which Christ affirms his lordship over the life of his church and over the life of his people and so we must be willing to do the word we must be willing to obey the word when we come to the scriptures, we come to them not merely to discover some idea about God or about his salvation. We must come to the scriptures willing to obey them, willing to do them. You remember how one man came to Jesus and asked him a speculative question, how many would be saved? And Jesus refused to answer that man's question and he said to him, strive to enter in at the, at the straight gate our responsibility is to obey the gospel is to obey the word which God has given to us. It is the scepter of Christ and as we who name the name of Christ seek to affirm his lordship in our lives we must affirm it under his word. There is no dichotomy between the authority of the word of God and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through this word that he exercises his lordship over his people and over his church and we are to affirm that lordship not merely by saying lord lord but by doing what he says as we have his word before us so we must do the truth we must obey the word of god we must be doers as well as hearers of it And as we finally as we read the word of god we should read it we should share it with others god has given us his word uh, given his word to us not only as individuals but also as a body the fact that we live in a literary society we live in a society which the book has become very much a feature of our way of life means that we can have personal access to the word of God and that's a great blessing but for many centuries for the greater part of the church's history such, such immediate personal access to God's word was simply not possible first of all because there were very few copies of it and secondly because very often only a minority of the people of God could read and perhaps we've lost something of the collective experience of the word of God through the discovery of the book, all important and crucial as that has been in the spread of the good news of Christ. We are urged in scriptures to share the word of God with one another. We read in the book of Malachi that when the people who fear the Lord spoke to one another, the Lord listened and heard what was said. And he ordained that a book be written And that in that book there be a record of those who feared the Lord and respected him. And so there is a place for sharing together. Where two or three are gathered together in in my name, says Jesus, I am there in the midst of them. And so there should be a place in our lives for the sharing together of the word of God. We read in the New Testament of the fellowship of the people of God, as they came together, there was an element of sharing, an element of experiencing together the impact of the Word of God. But we are to share the Word of God, not only with one another in the church, but we are also to share the Word of God with those who are outside it. We are ourselves to become vehicles of the Word of God to others. We're to follow in the footsteps of Philip, who took God's word to the Ethiopian. At least he he already had it. But Philip explained it to him and shared it with him. And he explained to him that the servant of Isaiah chapter 53 was in fact the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, he, he told him about Jesus. He shared Isaiah chapter 53 with that African official. And in that continent of Africa today, one thing that characterizes many of the churches there is that Christian people share God's word with others. And when they're going to the market or when they're working in the fields, they will share with their non-Christian eh, friends what God has sp- said to them through his word. They will share God's word as a word which, is a, which means, is relevant to them today. It's a word which is helpful, a word which sustains them, a word which upholds them day by day and hour by hour. And God's word can help us in many ways. We can find strength which will help us in situations which God's word does not expressly envisage. And yet God by his Holy Spirit uses his word. I remember hearing a lady on one one occasion say how she found strength in God's word. To stand up to a neighbor who was using her telephone and refusing to And and not, and not wanting to pay for it And she found strength in God's word To stand up And to tell that lady that she couldn't do it And God's word was a source of strength to her In a practical problem Now God's word does not envisage telephones But God uses his word as a rod and a staff And as we read God's word, we will find strength and comfort and hope and help. And God's word is a word which he has given us to share. And in this sense, each one of us are to become, as I said, vehicles of the word of God. We are to share God's word with others. And we share God's word with others, not merely by passing on a copy of God's word, whether the whole book or part of the book. That is important. But we do not fulfill our responsibility in sharing God's word when we do that. But we must also, as occasion arises, be willing to testify to what God's word means to us. Perhaps even in a humdrum everyday situation like the lady with the telephone. Because in this way, men and women around us who don't acknowledge the name of Christ will come to see the relevance of God's word, that God's word is a word which sustains men and women today. Perhaps this task which God has given to his people to share the word of God with others can be illustrated from the task of a conductor and an orchestra in a musical concert the music is there written on the score the task of the conductor the task of each instrumentalist in the orchestra is to let the music loose is to translate the music from the page into the sound into sound and there is a sense in which we have to take the Word of God which is written here in this book Share it with others. Let it loose, if you like, in the world in which we live. God has called us to rejoice in his word, to enjoy his word, to be sustained by his word. But he has also called us to communicate that word as his witnesses. To be witnesses to the power of this word in the 20th century. God's word abides forever. Therefore God's word is never out of date God's word is never irrelevant God's word is always contemporary And in a quite wonderful way The word of God Comes alive in the life and the experience of men and women And they may be facing some of the most Technical problems of the 20th century Much more complicated than telephones And they they will find strength and encouragement in the word of God God has given us his word let us us therefore seek to use it let us confess our neglect of it and let us ask God to use much more fully this book of unspeakable riches which he has given to us and as we use it And as we prove it in our own lives, that he would use our experience of it to testify to its power to others. That we might become advertisements for the power of the word of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord and God, we come before thee at this time to thank thee again for this word which thou hast given us, a word which was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and a word which the Holy Spirit can bring to life today in the experience of thy people. And we pray that thou wilt help us as we read this word day by day, to know it confirming us, establishing us, upholding us, strengthening us, guiding us, correcting us, and rebuking us. Grant, O Lord, that we might live under this word as the scepter of Christ and that at the close of the service each one of us and all of us together might seek to affirm his lordship by doing this word. Grant, O Lord, that thou will give us the strength to keep the vows which we have made that we may indeed seek to do as well as hear the word of God. We ask these things with the forgiveness of our sins For Christ's sake Amen (coughs) Our closing psalm is number 19 From verse 7 Psalm 19 at verse 7 The tune is creditin God's law is perfect And converts the soul in sin that lies God's testimony is most sure and makes the simple wise we shall speak we shall sing from verse 7 to the end of verse marked 11 psalm 19 to the tune creditin god's law is perfect god's law is perfect. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and evermore. Amen.